drink beer. Think beer. You're listening to Broodlands. Give a man to fish and he will eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he will sit in his boat and drink all day. That's, That's from a sign at a bar that Johnny B76, <laughs> or 76 Johnny B, old Johnny B, sent us from... I think somewhere in Minnesota. I think that's where he is, or Michigan. Yes, Minnesota. All of our Johnny fans are in Minnesota. All of our fans are named Johnny. Yeah. Little known fact. <laughs> Little known fact. Our most interactive fans are named yeah. Johnny. The ladies, Johanna. Or Nate, I guess. But, yeah. yeah. Jane or Johanna. Right. Depends on which region of the country you're in, but yes. And Canadians. And Canadians. Yep. Some derivative of Johnny. Right. That's not important, though. Someone named Johnny in the U.S. or Canadians. We're here to talk uh, Noble Ray Brewing Company for episode 97. We uh, today we went to Noble Ray, which is in the uh, we talked about before the design and or medical district of Dallas. This one runs a little long, but uh, it's it's worth it. And there's a lot of good information in this yeah, one. Yeah, we got uh, they were very forthcoming, which yes. I, like not that I wouldn't expect someone in an interview to be somewhat forthcoming, especially in this line of work. But they were more than giving with their information. We got a lot, especially uh, future plans information. We got some surprising yeah. announcements, some scoops. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, we got to, we we put on our old reporter's hat. With the little but press badge in it, and maybe I'm only surprised because I don't know them that well. Yeah, um, maybe so. So maybe this is just normal. Maybe we're about to blow up the uh, pod waves with our breaking noble it, ray news. It does sound like this is probably Chris's normal mo. Mm. Seems like a very open guy. Yeah, very talkative guy. Yeah, very very uh, warm and welcoming and, and chatty. For <laughs> Has sure. to be kept in check on occasion. <laughs> but, yes, by the wife, you'll find out during the show, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, noble ray. It's a great little brewery. As I think I've said this before. I think I. I sure i've said this before they have my favorite artwork in, in the beer right now the main thing you'll remember mark talking about before is that they don't have enough food yes that's true and uh they've rectified that yeah they have rectified that and i uh i think i should be applauded and lauded for mm-hmm. we'll, making we'll, them change, we'll say you push change, change. Of although yes. they still did not incorporate nachos <laughs> uh which was my main demand you can give them a break though <laughs> they, they do have some stuff that's not just that's sweets true. now they do have uh, frito pie which is nice yes which we didn't we still did not have that this time <laughs> that's true <laughs> Every time we go to Noble Ray, we're just not going to have food. That doesn't mean that'll be the last time we go there. So <laughs> yeah, That's true. Yes. So, it probably will not be. So thanks to Chris, Kendra, and Tommy from Noble Ray Brewing for giving us a lot of time. And a lot of time. And delicious, delicious beer at Noble Ray Brewing Company. Today we are at Noble Ray Brewing. We just talked to these guys just a uh, big Texas a couple weeks ago, but we decided it was time for a follow-up two weeks later. We were surprisingly sober this time. <laughs> yeah. Like usual. Yeah. yeah we're like working usual. on it. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to change that right now. <laughs> so we're here with Chris and Kendra Rigolo. Hello. Said it right. And Tommy Miller, the head brewer. Yeah. Chris, your official title is El Jefe, the boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that wasn't my official title that I gave myself. That was just kind of what showed up on a business card. <laughs> And we ran with it. So, yeah, I am the boss, though, um, even though the two people flanking me probably make more of the decisions than I do. Or at least I <laughs> divert to them on decision-making. So. Ken, uh, Kendra, what's your official title? What need the it? mic. Um, marketing support. What does that mean exactly? Uh, well, I, I have a full-time job, so I don't work here full-time, no, but okay. um, eventually I will. Uh, but, yeah, I just help with marketing, help with tap room, front-of-house stuff. So, What do you do when you're not working here? Uh, digital advertising. Oh, okay. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. It works. And I assume the two of you are full-time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
More yeah. than full time. Yeah. So uh, I just want to go back and tell me about the start of Noble Ray. You guys started in 2012, you said? Yeah. So, no, we, we founded in 2012 um, with kind of a dream and the, the ideology of just trying to be like, yeah, we'll open up a brewery. How hard can it be? I mean, because I was naive and stupid. And, uh, you know, like, like a lot of people, whenever they think of breweries, they kind of say, you know, like, how hard can it be? You know, like, I can do it in my garage. It must be super simple. It sounds like the very custom drunk conversation people have that say, let's just open a bar. Yeah. Oh, no, it was definitely that. I mean, I worked, uh, I did, like, logistics banking and, um, like, insurance and stuff before all of this, and I just got tired of being a number. And so what happened was, well, what's your passion? Like, what do you want to do with your life? And I've always had a passion for alcohol. I was a winemaker (laughs) out of college. Nice. Uh, Like, I, yeah, that was my first job was to make wine because it was either that or go into real estate and then thankfully i went into wine because it was like the market crashed like that year oh, so yeah. if i had gone into real estate then it, yeah i would have been bankrupt at like 23 wow. so um but no yeah it's just uh, we kind of came up with the idea is uh stop being a number and you know find your own path you know create your own character uh, kind of thing. That's a good slogan. We should do that. Yeah, we should do that. Why have we not done that? Especially be, given the... Uh, be noble, drink noble. Screw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, create your own character kind of reminds me, uh, as I've said before, you guys have my favorite cans in the business. Oh, that artwork is awesome. Kind of reminds You're me... You're talking about the actual cans, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what did make it awkward? <laughs> that's what I do best. That's my, that's my personal slogan. <laughs> So what was the, like, the breaking moment in your career when you were working in finance that you were just like, just want to rage flip everything? And uh, So uh, I can, we, I, everybody here mostly knows this story is that my mom uh, got a blood clot mm. and I was being considered such a number that whenever I got the call that she was in the hospital, like, I was like, all right, got to go, you know, family yeah. first. Uh, they didn't believe me. They, I needed a doctor's note from like the ER stating that my mom was actually in the hospital wow. near death. And I showed up like 15 minutes late the next day and they were like, yeah, it's going to come out of your PTO. And so I just, was, I went home, you know, kind of angry. <laughs> yeah. And I think by the end of the week I w- walked in and said, you know, fuck you guys, like I'm out. Yeah. And, uh, after that I started working at places like luck, um, Growler bars. I applied to be at Deep Ellum. Was the runner up for the one of the sales guys' jobs. Um, and we all, we kind of joke about that, you know, how like if I had been like the finalist, maybe like you know how different the craft beer scene would be because I'm a different kind of guy, yeah. I guess. But yeah, but Tommy, Tommy and I would have met sooner because Tommy <laughs> came from Deep Ellum. He was oh. he was one of the sales guys at Deep Ellum. Really, so he and I could have you know argued a lot sooner in life so tell me about like what's the romance here between you and tommy how did you guys <laughs> I'm, i want to know what tommy did before brewing also but uh how did you guys yeah. meet and it was kind of like romancing the stone i mean have you, <laughs> that that classic 80s movie we're being chased by danny devito <laughs> through the jungle that's a really weird, yeah. weird story yeah. yeah he he wrote ram- romance novels it was <laughs> it was crazy I was an Indiana Jones ripoff. <laughs> so, I don't know. Here, I'll let Tommy explain, like, where he kind of came into the scene and how we met. Because, yeah, he tells it better. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, so I was in the uh, Air Force. Um, kind of when I got into craft beer altogether, it was uh, stationed overseas in Tokyo. Hmm. And then um, after that, I went traveling. Um, met my wife in Ibiza, Spain. 
which prompted me to move to England. <laughs> and um, so living in England, I really fell in love with different kinds of beer. Uh, her family owns a 15th century pub. Wow. That's, that's really cool. into uh, more beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big beer bar, they have about 12 cast pumps. And uh, so just fell in love with the whole industry there, really, and uh, planned on staying there, but... Um, we almost bought our own pub that fell through and one day we said fuck it let's move to Dallas that's where I'm from I wanted to come home and uh, the first weekend I was here I met John Reardon Zach Vicky all the guys at Deep Ellen they were just starting up and they're like come on board man and I jumped on board and you know uh, worked under Drew Herter uh, he's now a brain dead and delivered to sales to, to helping on the back I just learned, got to learn the whole industry from the ground up with a startup brewery that you know it's very successful which is great and then um from there i went to lakewood uh before i even got the job at lakewood i'd met chris and he told me about you know starting noble ray i thought it was an awesome idea he uh asked me if i wanted to come on board so uh (laughs) so when i got the job at lakewood you know it it was pretty I told him up front, like, of this other opportunity. Didn't really want to talk about it, but then when No Berets started getting along, I, I came over full-time about almost yeah, almost a year before we actually opened this place, and uh, which is great because, you know, I really love doing the startup thing with uh, Deep Ellum and from the ground up and seeing all the mistakes and the, the, the stuff that breaks and knowing how to fix it. Drew knows how to fix anything, so I kind of being under his wing just taught me on the fly and it really helped us here starting and not you know necessarily having the financial abilities as a lot of breweries where they just come in with you know millions of dollars we we pretty much built this whole place you know shoestring from the ground up we tiled the bathrooms put in the floors you know built this tap room everything it's almost it could almost be it's like its own hgtv show is yeah, like yeah. building a brewery it should have been yeah it should have been for sure <laughs> been yeah yeah but then they would see like what the bars look like without the uh yeah. stuff hiding everything right. inside. so yeah it may not have been the greatest craftsmanship but <laughs> yeah just, just to put in the tanks in the back and everything i mean been here from day one and uh Literally i love it yeah one. yeah uh so i love it yeah. that's cool so do you force uh, your in-laws to carry your beer over in Spain? Or in the, England, yeah. In England, I'm sorry, the, the pub? They want to really bad, uh, possibly in the future. Yeah. Uh, we're working on that. So uh, my father-in-law he recently passed away, but um, before that, that's pretty much at every brewery I've worked at. It's always said, like, when can I get your beer? I want to put your beer on here. We want to be the place in England to carry it. Yeah. So. Yeah, hopefully one day we'll make that happen. Well, this is a little off topic, but kind of on the topic of that. Um, are they having any issues over there with the corporations coming in, trying to buy the, all the pubs and everything in England? Have yeah, they, yeah, that's a huge... They had pressure? It's a huge issue, and, and that's one of the things that made my in-laws' pubs so successful is they stood up to it, and they're like, we're not selling out. They're one of the only independent pubs around, and with probably in about a 50-mile radius. They're one of the handful of independent ones, and they're have extreme loyal customers because of that they make their own decisions they mm-hmm. choose what beers they want to bring in and and my father-in-law was was a real stickler for searching out the best beers in germany to bring in if they're gonna have german beers the best beers from around and that's a good thing that their pub gets to do that's cool i know it's an increasingly rare thing over in england oh, yeah, yeah, to be independent 
Bateman's has taken over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Chris and Kendra, how do, I know you guys are obviously married. Uh, so, tell us Wait, about what? your love story. How you, I, how you met? Happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like hearing the sappy bullshit. Um, so, our story? Um, well, um, I met Chris at a kickball league. Super yeah. nerdy. Uh, but that's how we met. Um, and he just came home. Like, we were dating for, like, three or four years. And he pretty much came home extremely miserable. And I said, what the heck do you want to do with your life? Because yeah. I'm not going to stick around for you being miserable for forever. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I gave him... Still yeah. And he's like, well, I think I, I, think I want to open a brewery. And I was like, okay. let's do it. Now's the time. Yeah. So... That's what we decided to do, and you know, it took us three, four years to open, and we went through every single hurdle imaginable. I imagine. Uh, but we're here, and we're extremely proud of it. So that's kind so, of our love story. Well, I mean, yeah. So the love story yeah. actually was like we—I formed the brewery before I even like asked her to marry me, yeah. Yeah. and so it was one of things. Like after going through like six months of trying to like get everything up and running i finally like went to my dad because i put all my money into the brewery and was like hey i want to ask kendra to marry me but can you spot me some money <laughs> and the answer was it's about f- time <laughs> and he was like of course and so like we literally went like to like the jewelry store like like straight away yeah and so it was like he was like all right what about that one what about that one and so she didn't know about it, and it burned a hole in my pocket for about a month because I was dumb and didn't plan stuff out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and then after that, like, it was kind of one of those things where she, uh, she helped me pass my yeast exam because I went to brewing school. So I, I, it was one of those things I understood everything else. I can technically do stuff. Like, if I'm in front of the brew house and I know what I'm doing, yeah. you put a piece of paper in front of me and tell somebody how to do it blank nothing I'm yeah. like uh it's kind of you should know how to do that just yeah you you eyeball it or you do this <laughs> i mean i don't eyeball it but yeah so um no the love story started there so she was with me whenever i tried to be when i applied at uh deep Ellum, when i worked at uh Peticolis, and whenever i worked over at lakewood and when i work i mean i was their intern so right. brewing school man it, ain't it grand <laughs> so so how is it i mean you don't work here all the time but how is it like I work in my wife and I both work from the same office at home. So, okay. but luckily she's out in the field most of the time. How was it working every day with your spouse or a lot of days with your spouse? Like, <laughs> oh, she wanted to take that real quick. <laughs> well, I mean, when you open a business or when you run a business, Tough. it's it's you live it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. There's never really like downtime. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you get that from time to time, but I mean, we just. I think the most important part for us, um, working together and especially when I come on full time is really just taking time for ourselves, you yeah. know, and like scheduling time to do a date night mm-hmm. or like, you know, it's almost like whatever. having kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, do you, do you have any comments on this? I'll say, yeah, it's like, it's kind of like having kids. It's like, yeah, as soon as all of, all of our employees are like our kids. Yeah. It's like sometimes like, you know, it's, it's kind of like having adult kids, but you know, Sometimes you you love them, and sometimes you just kind of look at them and go, "Really?" And they take and they take all your money, really? just like kids. Yeah. Oh no, for real, yeah. You just don't was, change their diapers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do we need to tell that story? <laughs> there is no story yet. There, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there will be soon. But yeah, no. Um, oh, that's kind of. It's not hard. I don't think it's that hard working with a spouse. Uh, we've kind of just realized what like who who does what and who's going to run what. I mean, I already know that she's my boss, so that's 
So her card should say say yeah. El Jefe then. Her card should say El Jefe, and mine will just say like that guy. <laughs> so that that dude that does some stuff. So. So were you guys homebrewers before you started? No, you did uh, the winemaking. But. Yeah. Well, I was a homebrewer. I started at like thirteen. Wow. Uh, with my dad. <laughs> Got it early. <laughs> yeah. Well, he uh, he tried to do the whole discouraging thing where he yeah. was like, he was a homebrewer. He made like an IPA. He thought it had like an off flavor and was just like, "Hey man, try this out." Yeah. Like thought that it would be too bitter for me and I wouldn't like it. And the thing is that he turned his back and I like I down that thing. It was, it was gone. He turned back around. I was like, <laughs> "Where'd the beer go?" And I was like, "Uh, I spilt it." <laughs> I don't know. Into my mouth. <laughs> he was like, "Did you drink all of that?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, I really enjoyed it." I was like, "That was really good." What what made it taste like that? And he was like, "Well, those were the hops." And so like thirteen, I'm getting this education on. Well, what do the hop do? Like second edition, third edition, stuff like that. Just where it's like, oh my god, I didn't know this. And it's one of those things. If he had explained it a little to explain it to me a little better, I probably would have paid more attention in science and stuff. Just been like, oh wait, this is what I need to know. Cool. But no, I was like, I was his lackey. I got to clean everything, and I got to. I was his cellarman. You know. Yeah. Hey, clean this. Cool. No, you don't get to do anything cool. You don't get to drink it either. Uh, and then you know, I was just a snob throughout high school. I didn't. You know, I didn't go to like the kegger parties and stuff i just was hanging out with my dad drinking <laughs> by that time i think we'd graduated to like bourbon and stuff though so not making it but drinking yeah. it so bathtub yeah. bourbon <laughs> yeah. i don't know if that at all <laughs> so your dad's part of the business too right yes yeah he's actually in the office right now yeah. looking at numbers mumbling and getting really complacent so, so he controls all the money he does your money bags yeah <laughs> I call him daddy warbucks so <laughs> So, Tommy, were you a homebrewer before yeah. you got it, officially got into it? Um, yeah, I started homebrewing uh, while I was stationed in Japan. There's some guys who are the homebrewers there, and uh, they kind of started teaching me. They're pretty advanced, so they're doing, like, open fermentation stuff, like, back in 2003. And uh, wow. over there, a lot of people brew on, like, sake setups. A lot of the, the brew of theirs made in a sake facility, so... They're all into open fermentation, doing crazy stuff, and that's kind of how I got started homebrewing. And uh, and yeah, from there, I just each country I went to, try different beers, got come home, try to make those beers, and that's kind of got it into it. And then when we finally moved to Dallas, I just constantly homebrew, trying to improve recipe building, and uh, that's when I started reading a lot of books and stuff like that. Um, question about the facility too. What what made you guys go uh, with a brew pub over just a regular brewery? Um, just you know, like other ones around here, Petacolas by you, and, and um, many of them in the area. No, I mean uh, it's funny when we when all the laws changed back in 2013. Like I was like in 2012, I was just going to be a production brewery. Laws changed in 2013, which I had I just officially joined the guild and was literally just thrown into like those meetings. They're like, hey, do you want to go down to Austin and talk? I was like, sure, I guess. And just remember being like, I'm way in over my head. But what I took away from it um, was, you know, the brew pubs kind of got a little bit more. They got a lot more out of the deal back in 2013. I feel like it was, you know, their barrelage got moved up. Uh, they could sell product on site for off site consumption and that you know, they could self distribute up to fifteen hundred barrels. And at the time I was thinking kind of on the same level as Petacolis, which is I'm I'm only gonna do fifteen hundred to two thousand barrels first year or even second year. Like we're gonna you know, it's gonna be just like Petacolis. And then the market blew up and nothing's like Petacolis. Like I mean that is like that's the gold standard for, you know, like what you could wish for as a brewery. Um 
And so as I saw kind of like the market changing, it was, okay, I want to be able to can or bottle my beer, and I want people to be easily accessible to it. This just made more sense. Uh, it was funny because <clears throat> I had a couple other brewery owners that was like, hey, man, you need to do the brew pub thing. And me being me, I was like, man, f*** you guys. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And then I, like six months later, I was like, I should probably do a brew pub thing, huh? And they're like, yeah, that's what we've been saying, dude, you dumbass. So... It takes me a while to, like, learn things from other people, but uh, I'm a little bit more open and receptive now, especially since Tommy was like, hey, we should do sours, and I was like, I don't want to do sours. He's like, no, but we're going to do sours, and so now we do sours, and it's totally awesome because, yeah, these are our, my two sour drinkers, are Tommy and Kendra. I was, I was late to the game on that. I am, I was, too. I'm slowly coming around on it. And now, now I'm obsessed with it. Like, I mean, we were in uh, Brussels three weeks ago, four weeks ago, last month. Uh, anyways, it doesn't matter when it was. We were there, like, we were all three there, and we all went to Canseon, and it was one of those things where you, like, you go to, like, the birthplace cool. of Sours and get to hang out, and I was like, well, this is what, you, this is how you should have your experience. Like, mm. this is how all Sour breweries should be. But, you know, nobody's going to be, like, 120 years old and yeah. still kicking ass. So. so, tell me about the challenges of, aside from having to construct your own facility, mm-hmm. tell me about the challenges of starting your own brew pub. I mean, <laughs> uh, there's got to be a we, lot of lessons you learned. Say, do we have, like, a full day to go over that? Um, <laughs> Maybe some General pilots. contractors lie. Uh, <laughs> the banks are only in it for themselves. Um, just, no. Those are just the highlights. No, I mean, it, it, we learned a lot of lessons where it was, you know, be careful who you trust. Mm. Um, always raise more capital than you think you're going to need. I've always heard the rule is whatever your number is, double it. Oh, no. Uh, for us, it was whatever the number is, triple it, quadruple it, whatever. Because I was under the impression, I think we were like, when our initial funding was like just under a million, and I was like, oh, cool, that'll like, we can knock out a seriously badass brewery with that. Well, I mean, as the market changes and inflation and all that crap, you're like, all right, cool. We need more money. And so, like, you know, we, we opened up a second tap room. Well, that costs, like, about $100,000. Yeah. yeah. We want to expand this tap room. Well, that's another, like, $20,000. Stuff like that. It's one of those things where, like, the things that you, the unforeseen, mm-hmm. like, you never know what's going to happen. Like, we thought a 15-barrel system would last us, like, three years, three to four years. We're already looking at, like, either changing that out or adding a couple vessels to it. We thought the five tanks that like the five thirty barrel tanks that we started off with would get us through the first four years and we just added three sixty barrel tanks. So and we're a year and a half in. Yeah. yeah. It's a great problem to have. Yeah. But I mean year and a half into actual production and we've already like just doubled our capacity. Do you feel forced to expand, or you just is that something you want? No, it's something that we want to do. I'll, I'll be honest. Like whenever I started, I wanted to keep things small. I always thought I was. Just, I just want to be like something local. And then our marketing just kind of took us in a different direction. And so one one of the things that I would give as advice is always be open to like what you like, what the market says, and like kind of where like you know the universe directs you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also, too, it's becoming a, a very much for the newer breweries that are opening, like us, is an expand or die type situation where so if we're not constantly yeah. keeping beer on the market in mm-hmm. all the stores and your presence very known, then you start losing shelf space, you start mm-hmm. losing taps, mm-hmm. and someone with a, a bigger system or more money is going to go out there and start taking those taps. Yeah. It's a it it's like what he said the the pedicle is thing you, you just can't do it anymore where you don't really have sales people people are just calling you and want yeah. your beer mm-hmm. and they can hold that line where they are where if we just produced 
what we are or what we have been and, and stop trying to push upwards, we you lose accounts. You lose. We'd be gone in like next yeah. year. We don't have a five-year name to, to, yeah. to lay back on. Because it felt like you guys, I mean, I saw you on taps, and then just all of a sudden your cans were everywhere. Yeah. It was like an explosion of, you know. Yeah. We love to see our taps more, though. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like, yeah, that's, I, that's what, that's, I think it's funny. That's our big focus now is that, like, our cans were like, that is the one thing that we can kind of just go, all right, cool, our cans sell themselves. Right. Not to be, like, arrogant about it, but it's, like, the design. People want to come back to it, and the beer that's in it is good. People come back to it. thing is that for us, now our focus is draft. Um, more or less, it's not going to be all draft. It's just going to be, you know, balancing of the two. It's a nice balancing yeah. act. Yeah, trying to get, like, I think we're, like, 70 or 80% can, mm. like, is our production right now, which is great. Yeah. But I'd love the margins on the on the draft. Well, so hard. I mean, from what I understand, it's hard to find tap space around here. Oh no, everybody. it's for sure. I mean, especially with uh, I'm not it's gonna sound like I'm gonna shit on out of state breweries, but with out of state breweries coming yeah. into this market, people are like, oh, we want to get you know this beer, we want to get that yeah. beer. And the thing is, that I always say is, I I love going to different cities and states and countries and stuff because I want to try what that what's local there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to try something where it's like, cool, like, I could have gone to, let's say, Arizona. Because if I said the other state that I was thinking, everybody knows what I was talking about. <laughs> but, like, say, like, a brewery from Arizona that's blown up. They come in here. People are just going ape shit over it. So you're just like, cool, that beer tastes just like a beer down the street, but you guys didn't give it a chance. You're just following, you're following the trend. You're following, like, the name. Right. And that's great for that brewery to have that name behind it. But a lot of times it's like the people in your own backyard – it's like, you should probably give them a shot first. Mm. Um, it's, it's like the restaurants, you know, like whenever you read those articles, like this restaurant's going out of business, you're like, oh man, I would have loved to have gone there. Well, why didn't you? You should have gone and checked it out while yeah. it was open. Well, why did you go to Chili's 10 times? Yeah, it's like, you, I, I saw, yeah. hey man, you went to Taco Cabana like five times last week. You could have gone to that one like taqueria at least once. <laughs> yeah. So. so where does the name Noble Ray come from? <laughs> uh, it's an anagram from our dog's name, Harley. Uh, we pulled out Ray. <laughs> Uh, but Hal Ray sounds really stupid. Um, so, but you know, Ray is Spanish for king. It's a musical note. Um, so we got really drunk one night. Uh, I think it was like a bottle or two of Jameson, a couple six packs, and then uh, that's at, a full night. Yeah. Um, back, I mean, back in 2012 when we partied a little harder. Yeah. Uh, no, it was just somebody like yelled out like at the end of the night, and they're like, "Hey," because I used to be a missionary, and like, mm. and I would go to like other countries and just build like houses and stuff um they're like hey man you've done like some noble stuff what do you call it like noble ray like get it like a noble king <laughs> and i was like yeah no i get it <laughs> and i just remember waking up like with a massive hangover the next day and like looking at kendra going did we come up with a name for a brewery because i feel like noble ray sounds awesome yeah and she's like let's think about it for another couple of days and i think it was like four days later i filed the L- llc Nice. So it definitely stands out. It's yeah. definitely a very uh, standout name. Well, one of the reasons why we did we were trying to open in Grapevine for the longest time, and I mean, there's Grapevine Craft Brewery, and mm-hmm. that's great. But the thing is, that a name like that like locks you to a certain place. Yeah. Like Petacolas, that's his name, but he could he could literally take that anywhere. Right. So we wanted a brewer, like a brewery name that you could literally take anywhere. Yeah. Like it doesn't mean that we're not Dallas Fort Worth brewery people, but yeah. it just means like if you hey, had to if, move you good. Yeah, like if we had to move like hey for whatever reason like we're going to open up a brewery in Portland. Yeah. But Maine, I was talking about Maine. I'm just kidding. The Lakewood uh, and Deep Elm, however, would have a hard yeah. time. Well, Deep Elm thing is it like I mean, Deep Elm 
you only know that if you're from Dallas. That's probably, yeah, that's probably And Lakewood, true. too. I mean, there's a Lakewood, Colorado. Yeah. yeah. So, but, like, city names, you're kind of like, yeah. hey, we're Dallas Brewing Company. Yeah. They'd be like, I wonder, are they talking about Dallas, Oregon, or <laughs> Dallas, Texas? Yeah. So... Um, so you guys were kind of, I guess, the third wave of breweries around here. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I guess it was Ron Franconia were kind of the first wave. Yep. And then Pedicol, Steve Bellum were second wave. Yeah. You guys were kind of third wave. I would actually say we were more fourth wave. Really? Were you? Okay. Yeah. Mo- but the thing is that since we got that early start with putting our name out there, people yeah. do associate us with the third wave with like Martin House and say, it seems like all I've those guys. I've seen like, you at uh, Big Texas are on tap forever. Yeah. And so... <laughs> That's what we wanted you to think. <laughs> no, um, no, it's one of those things where people think that we've been open for like two or three years, mm-hmm. but we've only like we're about to like this October we're celebrating our second anniversary. Yeah, so it's one of those things where you know we try to market like we've been here for a while. Yeah, uh, mostly because Tommy's got the experience; he's been around from it's like you know the second wave began mm-hmm. um, because there was like a nine year gap between like RAR opening and then literally anything else other than Franconia. Right. Um, so it's one of the things where, you know, we've, we've been established, like we've been a part of the scene. So I think that's where a lot of people kind of get that, that feel from is the, Oh, I feel like I've seen you everywhere. It's like, well, we used to sponsor brew riot, like when it was like four years ago, Okay, but we didn't have a brewery then. We yeah. were just, just getting our name out that, there. Yeah. We're just trying to get our name out there and give them beer for free. Yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, so how do you, and being part of that, so I guess we're on our sixth wave then of breweries come, coming down the pipe. We've got so many new mm-hmm. guys coming out. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, how hard is it to stand out? Not, I mean, in this market, given that you were kind of, I guess now you're kind of in the middle wave. Yeah. Um, do you, do you have a hard time standing out? Yeah, like we were talking about like cans and stuff. No, but draft wise, I mean, it's one of those things where like, if you have a slow moving beer, like there's a, there, there could be like an account that's just like oh their beer doesn't move well, it's like it could have just been that beer it could have been that time of the month like time of the year I don't say that time of the <laughs> month that sounds awkward um, but no or it could be that time of the month it could be like it was a hot day and yeah. you've got like a like a stout out because I mean it's Texas I mean it could be February and it could be like ninety degrees right so if you've got an imperial stout out and it's on out an account and they're like oh that beer didn't move yeah well it was spring weather yeah. <laughs> in the middle of winter. Like so, and that's just that's the hard thing to do. Engage in like in this market is what beer is going to move. I mean, Temptress that's a stout that moves year round, right? Uh, but I mean, they made it taste the way it needs to, and that's why you don't see a whole lot of people going after like the stout game. Is there's like same thing with like Velvet Hammer and stuff. Nobody's really going to be like, hey, let's do an Imperial Red Ale. Mm. So it's just kind of finding like what that that next thing is that you can hang your hat on, like like a Lakewood or a Pedicolas or like the Deep Ellum Blonde or you know, stuff like that where, like, people are going to go, oh, sweet, I associate that beer with that brewery, and that's all like, all we really want. I think we've kind of figured that out. We've got, like, 1A and 1B. Just, yeah, we've got uh, Sex in a Canoe, which is American Light Lager, and then uh, the Vertigo, which is the Devil IPA. And if we could keep those in stock the way we want to, I mean, we would only have tanks with those beers in them. Yeah, so. we sold out of, of our last batch of vertigo in three hours and the next day our distributor called me and was like hey man when you got more and i was like i haven't even brewed it yet (laughs) no we just we just emptied our tank it's that's kind of our home run hitter right now but it's it's with all the other breweries coming into the state and having such a big pr push behind it Mm -hmm. um all the bars of course are because people are coming in and going to ask for those beers (laughs) and they're not really 
asking for Noble Ray. Maybe they see us as being, you know, well, we could get Noble Ray at any time, but we can't get these beers. Mm-hmm. These are new, and, and they don't, they almost like they're limited, but they're coming into the state to stay. So they'll, they'll be in the yeah, cans in the stores later on. Yeah, and, and a lot of our beers are, it's, it's hard to get that, you know, stand, this is Noble Ray, and a lot of people don't even realize, like, all the beers that we brew. We brew a lot of different beers throughout the year. <laughs> Like and seven uh, or eight. yeah, the yearly beer. So it's it it's hard to put a stamp on these are Noble Ray beers, you know, because a lot of people just don't know. We don't have that huge PR budget to put out and be like, you gotta have this beer, you gotta have this. So it's hard for bars to keep on. I understand that, but I think eventually we'll we'll have a home run hitter that will really start getting us taps. Yeah, and I was gonna ask, are, are you guys? Still, you're not self-distributing now, right? You guys working with the self distributor, no. right? No, we've never been self-distributed. Okay, actually. we. Uh, I think our first ever keg was sold by like it was in August of 2015, and it was sold by Full Clip Craft Distributors to the Bottle Shop. Yeah, it was the Bottle Shop on um, Lower Greenville, right? The one that just went out of business. R.I.P. Yeah. Yep. But hey, we bought actually their coolers. So, oh. like our can display coolers are all of their can display coolers. So that's how we leave, like let the dream live on. So, you know, you say you have eighty uh, percent sales seem to be coming from the cans. Um, with all of these new breweries coming in from all the states, are you guys actually actively? Are you hearing any feedback about having to fight for shelf space, or since you're having so much success there and they sell, you guys are just in at this point? So it's funny, actually. We don't have any issues with the shelf space other than keeping up with demand. Like that's, not, that's if, a nice problem to have yeah, for sure. If we could keep up with the demand, we would have like you know four or five SKUs across the board. But a lot of times it's like you know, we had like a hot liquor tank implode in like end of December, so that pretty much shut our brewery down for a month. Oh, so man. that was fun. And so now we're, yeah, we're still playing catch up. Like it's, it's real fun whenever like we come in and look at the board or I say we, I mean, Tommy looks at the board and is like, well, I've got like five double brews this week just to get caught up. Was there any thought of contracting out to somebody to get it to make up for volume? Thing is, is that Texas state laws don't allow us to contract brew in the state of Texas with a contract brewery. I thought I could have sworn. I thought I heard when Grapevine retracted and decided Mm -hmm. to become just a brew pub. Yeah, they do do contract. So why can't because they're a te- they're a Texas brewery, and we're a Texas craft uh, oh. Texas brew pub. So you can't contract. So well, I've, I'm looking into things. <laughs> so that's annoying. Yeah, uh, yeah the beer I've laws. Got, I've got a few ideas, and yeah. I mean, I'll toot my own horn, but it's like if I put my mind to something, I generally find out like yeah. how to Get how to make it work. Yeah, <laughs> I find loopholes. So <laughs> and so, if TABC is watching. You wrote the rules, man. I'm just playing. I guess you probably learned a lot from Michael Pettigolds on that front. I did. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I'll say, like, the one time that I ever got, like, an attaboy from Michael Pettigolds was whenever we opened our second tap room. Mm -hmm. Nobody thought it was ever going to be possible that, like, a Texas brewery could have a standalone tap Mm -hmm. room. Um, because now that just kind of sets everybody up for, like, like, here's the game plan of how to do it. Yeah. And I remember he called and was like, hey, you can't do that. Like, that's, like, it's illegal. And I was like, well talked to tabc and i talked to so-and-so and they said it was cool and he's like oh here let me call the guild right right quick and he calls back like 30 minutes later and he's like well our guild attorney just wanted to say like way to go man like it's <laughs> <laughs> like you, you kind of set like the platform for like everybody to like how to do it and i've actually i've talked to other brew pubs and other breweries that you know their production is at, at such a limit where they're like okay cool we like we're never going to make more than ten thousand barrels mm-hmm. let's just become a brew pub how does that work 
and so like I'll you know get like some random email and just say like this is how you file your paperwork and literally it's just like this is just how you set up your filing and then after that you're golden and I can't take all the credit for that I think it's one of the things where we backed into like their filing like it's one of the things where TAVC was just like oh we filed you like this and it just so happened that that was it worked out how it worked out I don't so understand if you're under 10,000 why you wouldn't have a brew pub license right. being able to sell as much beer as we sell out of our tap rooms and saying in package mm-hmm. yeah it's it, we have a hard time keeping up with the package just in our own tap room yeah and as a brew pub the only way for you to expand your distribution is by opening up other a tap rooms location, yeah which yeah. we've looked into doing yeah. as well. But that's, like, we're, like I said, we're a year and a half in. So, yeah. like, that's, like, the five-year goal is to have, like, a second location. Right. But there is a potential that we'll be maxed out capacity by the end of 2018 mm-hmm. for this space. Mm-hmm. So if we do that, then it becomes, like, a real hard uh, and needed conversation with, like, not just our bankers and investors, but, yeah. you know, with our, our staff is, like, can we, can we operate a second location? That is a production Seems facility. So, but like, we got ideas for that too. So, like, you ever, yeah, good. Oh, I was, was going to say, do you ever have any thoughts of just converting to a full-on brewery and getting rid of the brew pub concept? Uh, not yeah. right now. Yeah, not anytime um, soon. Not anytime soon. It just depends on how the legislation laws go. And right now, it's like every other year you do legislation, or mm-hmm. um, so we got a lot of stuff in 2013. Didn't get a whole lot in 2015. Looks like I don't think a whole lot's going to change much in 2017. But if they added, like, you could do, like, off, off-premise sales, that would be, like, something that we would look into. D-Bellum gets their way and gets yeah. the laws that they're fighting for uh, passed, which John Rudin is very good at, seems to be good at getting stuff like that done. If he, I mean, it would be, we'd be able to do it. I think with, with us, we, uh, we're just a little bit different in the like our small batch system is starting we do a lot more funkier weird stuff and uh we're gonna start doing really crazy stuff on our uh three and a half barrel system that we just bought and uh being able to sell that package out of our tap room that not only brings a huge crowd on saturdays but it'll bring a a crowd through the week and uh sell a lot of package as well as pints out of our tap room so it doesn't really make sense for us to go to any other model right. it, it would just limit of, of how we want to brew and how we want to operate if right. we were to go that way yeah it's they put a lot of odd constraints on brewing and uh, well, it's I gotten mean, better but i mean they're all antiquated laws yeah. i mean even i think people at tabc would tell you that they don't make sense they're just there to enforce them yeah um, like the crawler situation yeah the i mean that's just it was like they're just in i mean if you look at the crawler law like or how they interpret it you go all right, I can see what you mean. It's stupid, yeah. but I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the same thing with, like, brew pub versus production brewery. You're like, yeah, okay, I can see how it was written, mm-hmm. but it's dumb. <laughs> like, there's nobody... I, 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 I would argue that you couldn't find anybody in the state that would be like, oh, no, it makes complete sense. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's all... It, I mean, it's all stupid. <laughs> so where do you... Speaking of all this, I mean, where do you see yourself in five, ten years from now? Where do you want to be? Taking over the world. <laughs> uh, no, actually, so it's funny. Uh, it's kind of a half joke, half serious. We just, when we were in Brussels, is because we were setting up uh, European distribution. So awesome. uh, we're going to be contract brewing in Europe. We haven't signed anything, so it's not super finalized, but um, should be by the end of this year having at least, what is it, like 7,000 barrels? 
like released into uh, awesome. France, and then the following year they're going to do about twelve to thirteen thousand barrels. So, like when we. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, it's it's one of those things where like the oh, rumors cool. the cool. rumors have already started, so I'd rather just go ahead and sum it up and just say like you know we're we're not really we're not we don't want to take anything away from our current market, yeah. And so the deal would ha- like had to be right and had to be perfect for us to to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, so they came to us. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like we were seeking out this whole thing, but they they actually came to us, and it ended up being. Uh, a really great deal for us. So. And that would be yeah. a landmark for a Texas brewery, right? Yeah. For, for a craft brewer. Well, for a craft brewery. I mean, Jester King's over in, like, Amsterdam Are they? and okay. all those places. Uh, There's Stone. Uh, yeah, Stone. Stone. Yeah, well, I know about Stone. I was, yeah, yeah, but no, Jester King's kind of, like, led the kind of led, led that charge. I think yeah. they're yeah. they're going into Japan now and stuff. Okay. But wow. they're also kind of, like, that niche, mm-hmm. like, brewery where, like, they, you know, like, they're I weird. Yeah. Like weird. Yeah. Uh, but I think in... From when we were over there in, in uh, Brussels, France, mm. looking around, there just wasn't a lot of American beer you saw on the shelves. So the weird thing would be we'd be over here maybe doing, you know, max 5,000 barrels over the next year. And over there we'd be doing competing with a, a stone or brew dog in, nice. in those areas, which would be pretty strange. But it, kind of a first for yeah. definitely a first for an a Texas brewery, but even out on a U.S. stage, yeah, that's the, really cool. The kind of the deal that's put together is is completely different mm-hmm. than anything that's been yeah. done. That's so, it's really awesome. like an it's a new frontier over there. It's an untapped oh, market yeah. in a lot of ways, which is why Stone opened Berlin. Yeah, I mean, it, they were we talked to uh, the people at Cantillon, and like only three percent of the people that go to Cantillon are from Belgium. Hmm. So I mean, sixty percent is American, twenty percent is Canadian. Uh, the rest is like other European countries. So, I mean, there's there's an untapped market. Like he was saying, it's like you look at the shelves there, and you're like, cool Heineken. Yeah. Uh, great. What else we got? Well, and I think for I think for the most part, like a lot of their beers are or their breweries are so stuck in tradition and mm-hmm. how this beer was made like sixty or hundreds right. of years ago. And you know, I think Americans get to be a little bit more progressive with the recipes we do. We get to you know push the limit a little bit more and. Uh, they really eat that up right well, now. So, yeah, it's funny. We have a friend that lives in Sweden, and he'll go over to uh, Denmark, and he'll talk about, oh, it's easy to find when Prairie Bomb was rare. They, oh, yeah. they're fully stocked. Or KBS they're founder sends pallets of that over, yeah. and it's like any American brewers that are making a footprint over there are trying to put their best foot forward for sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, and one thing that I want to say though is that so that way it's cleared up is that this this allows us to like double down here. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where like we. Like, the way the deal is being set up is that it really doesn't cost us anything, but we benefit 100% from it. So it'll, it'll allow us to expand, like, this brewery and anything else. Yeah. So it's not one of those things where we're like, oh, cool, we're going to be huge. We're going to be like David Hasselhoff. <laughs> we're just going to, no, like, we're not going to be huge in Germany. We want to be big here, too, if right. we can. But we want to have that, that kind of growth that we need and have to have here to sustain that. So... Um, it's just one of those things where, like, I don't want anybody to be like, "Oh, they're going to Europe and yeah. they're just going to forget about us." It's like if we were going to do that, like, we would have already moved. So, um, and we th- we jokingly thought about that when we were there. We we're like, "Oh man, they're going to make more beer than we do in America. Why don't we just move here and just live off of this? We don't have to brew anything. We can just be like the faces." 
Like, no, except for nobody I don't think wants to see my face. Maybe Tommy and Kendra, but... So how's it going to yeah. work? Do you going to... I assume they're going to... Whoever you're working mm-hmm. with, they're going to hire the full staff and mm-hmm. the brewers and... So it's a, it's just contract brewery. We use a brewery that's already established. Okay. Uh, and they just have extra barrelage that they need, you know, produced. And, you know, cans get paid for, grain gets paid for. Essentially a franchise. Yeah. We, yeah, we're, okay. we're essentially selling off our licensing there and then we collect royalties so you send them so. your recipes and you have mm-hmm. a chemist alter the water to match yep. the texas water well no we let them uh, what we do here is export. yeah we call it a, a nobody export and, okay. we're, and we're tweaking some of the recipes to fit the european market a little bit better mm-hmm. you know so it'll we're we're changing it slightly to you know fit them right. so your sex and canoe will probably do really well over there yeah so that's actually the beer they really wanted with okay. sex in a canoe but the thing is that we're actually raising the abv and the ibus because it to fit more with the European mm. market, uh, so in our tap room we're actually going to do like beers called like Nobre Exports, and so you'll be able to drink the same beers that we make there here. Right. Uh, we're just going to make them on that three and a half barrel system. So it's just, yeah, so it's another interesting thing that we're doing. But no, uh, one of the things that we do here is we try to make sure it's it's what Michael Petacolis does too. It's the you know use the water from where you are. Mm. Uh, don't really change the water too much. I mean, you don't want to have like you know a bunch of crap floating in it. Right. So you, you you clean it up the best you can, but you don't do too much to the water where it makes the beer taste different. Uh, I mean, that's why German beers are so good. That's why you know like British beers are so good. Is that you're tasting the water from there. The, big, the biggest thing I do with our water is balance the pH. That's right. that's really the most yeah. important part, and that's that's really all I mess with. Yeah. Um, it, and our beers have been fine. I like the way they come out with the, with the water we have. I wouldn't want to change it. Mm-hmm. Like I've been offered to do full water tests for free from different companies or different home brewers, you know, or even myself. But I haven't even wanted to look at it because I just wanted to. I know I'll start messing with it if I if I see the numbers. I'll start being like, oh, we should do this. We should. But yeah, I I, I like the way our beers taste yeah. with the water. Yeah. I like all the Dallas beers. I think we have pretty good it's just keeping the oh, yeah. ph down right is mm-hmm. the biggest part of it well, i know like kona i think they're getting sued because they say they're brewed in hawaii but they have that brewery that uh contract brewery up in portland or they oh, open yeah. a new one and they alter the water to match the water in, in uh, hawaii and so i always i found that really interesting because they want to keep it obviously tasting the same and now they're getting right. sued as, as a result of claiming their hawaiian brewery oh well, i mean it's but, like the tito's thing it's yeah. not made in Austin anymore, but they're yeah. like, so they just call it like, I think it's like Texas vodka. Yeah. They can't say like made in Texas right. anymore, which I get that. I mean, we're, we, I don't think we ever say made in Texas. Like our can say like brewed at this, but we put the facility where it's at. So right. in Europe, it'll say like brewed at this brewery. It won't say like yeah. brewed in America. It'll yeah. Be, no, we brewed it here, you know, but it's our styles. So they indicated that outside of loggers that they think the European market is open to some of the more radical American oh. styles. Yeah, we're, uh, the second beer that we're doing there is the Vertigo. Okay. So they were that was they were excited about that one. They were down for the uh, our Texas Red Ale off the leash, mm-hmm. uh, and then Steampunk, um, and then they were interested in any future ideas that we're doing. We talked to them about sours, but I think one of the breweries that we were talking to, it's like. A, <laughs> that's too big of a system to do like any kind of sour and if, yeah. it, if it, f- it up there then it's like i'm not i don't want to have anything to do with like oops our beer messed up your system sorry <laughs> all right well that's that's a lot of future plans that's awesome that's yes. congratulations on well, that thank you so let's get the lightning round i'll let you guys get back to your job here okay. <laughs> so i want to know from each of you uh what was your first beer and then what was your first craft beer i think we know oh, with you your first, first. beer 
<laughs> We're just going to go down the road. Okay, for, well, first well, my first beer? Yeah, first beer of any Jesus. type. I was probably like Zima. Coors Light or something in college. It wasn't great, but uh, I think the first beer that sticks out to me when I really started getting into craft beer was uh, Zombie Dust, oh. uh, Three Floyds. Nice. Love that. That's a good first one. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that works. Uh, so, actually, my first beer, there's actually uh, photograph proof of when I had my first beer. I was two. It was a Coors Light. Actually, it was Coors Banquet. Uh, which a little better. I'll, yeah, so I'll, I, which I still drink, like, even now. I'll still drink a Coors Banquet or every once in a while. It's not like I'm going to seek it out. But if it's available, sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, I drink Miller Light on occasion. I yeah. can't say anything. Yeah, I mean, you're at, like, the baseball game right. or something. You can't make it to the craft beer section. Yeah. It doesn't a pinch. Um, but then my first craft beer that I really enjoyed, other than the one I had at 13, man, I'm trying to remember. Uh, oh, it was Stone. It was Arrogant Bastard. I was 18. My dad, he was, he was a pilot, and he was coming back from San Diego. He was also uh, in the Navy, and so he was stationed out there. And he brought back, like, a bomber of Arrogant Bastard. And it was just kind of those things where I was like, oh, my God, there's breweries out there making, like, the, the beers that I enjoy. Like, why hasn't this happened sooner? And then it was, like, a couple years later, Raw opened up. So. I feel like Stone was a crossover for a lot of people around oh, our age. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, so my first uh, just beer was Bud Light. That's what my dad drank. Um and then my first craft beer, I believe, was 60-minute IPA. Uh, and, That's a good uh, one. Yeah, they kind of, I don't think I really liked it <laughs> when I first had it. It was just such sure. a change. Yeah. And then um, from there, I just fell in love with craft beer. And, and I, I kind of forced myself. I think I got given a six-pack or something, but I, I forced myself to drink them. And then I was like, oh, I, I kind of like this. Yeah, <laughs> Converted your palate after a yeah, six-pack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, out of all your beers that you make or have made, uh, what's the beer you're most proud of that you've made? Um, I should. I'm sorry. I should restate that. I, I did because I wasn't in the mic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, outside of your own, all, all the beers you have brewed or have now, what's yeah. your favorite beer that you made? You're the one you're most proud of. I think Vertigo is probably the one I like to brew the most and like to drink the most right now. Um, I have future plans to brew some recipes that. I've brewed in the past that I can't wait to put out, you know, to production. But um, Vertigo is the one that has come the furthest way and I think is almost, you know, the most solid beer that we brew as far as the, what we really like. Yeah. I guess for me it's Steampunk just because it's been my most consistent. That was the first beer that we ever brewed here. It was the first beer that I ever brewed as a home brewer with the intent to have as a actual production beer. Um, what, does it do as well as all the other beers? Probably not as much <laughs> as I'd like it to. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, if you talk to any brewer or brewery personnel, the beer that they like the most isn't always going to be the beer that's, like, as widely accepted, though. But I'm still proud of it. I think uh, my favorite um, would be Bridesmaid's Tears. It's our seasonal... Uh, strawberry rhubarb uh, saison. I mean, sour saison. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that, really. Uh, and it was our wedding beer, so I'm oh, partial that to sense. that. So I love your Krampus, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want that to come back soon. Um, so, outside of your own brewery, uh, what, what would you say your favorite brewery is, and 
and why, if you can tell why. This is so... These are hard questions, guys. <laughs> Come on. No, I need to think about this. So she's going to pass. Uh, no, favorite brewery outside? Right now, so it literally it, it changes with the wind. But since we just got back from Belgium, one of my favorite craft breweries is uh, Brussels Beer Project. Uh, mostly because they're... I don't know. They're doing stuff that we kind of want to do here. And they've been doing it since day one, which they have, like, they use a contract brewery to do, like, their four or five core beers. And then their actual brewery, they just, it's a playground. Mm. It's literally, it's like, hey, what are we going to make now? And nothing's the same. They just, the five beers, like, that they make core for year round, that's it. And everything else is new. Like, it's just, hey, we're making something different. That's it. Like, you're going to get in a bottle, you can... And they sell like bottles, like seven, like little tiny, like three seventy-five milliliter bottles, and that's all you're gonna get. And they sell wow. those, and it's like, and it's one of those things like you you can go in there one week and try something, come back the next week, and it's gone, because it's like dream if you, yeah, I was gonna say it's a dream brewer's job, I and mean, it's a dream like brewery idea mm-hmm. where you're like, man, new beer like almost every f- week, <laughs> awesome. Would that model sustain itself here? Not yet. Yeah. Like, I don't think it would. I mean, you'd have to be, like, a full-fledged brew pub mm-hmm. where you had, like, the restaurant as, like, your backbone. And you kind of like, be, like, yeah. you'd be, a, like, a, maybe in a neighborhood somewhere, too, where right. people could just I walk mean, over or, or stop in. Or someplace like a, like a, like Portland. Yeah. Like Portland, Oregon, where it's, like, you're in downtown. Mm-hmm. You've got, like, a 10-barrel like a brew house. That's it. Yeah. Kind of like what yeah. Braindead's doing, essentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they distribute out, which is, yeah. you know, that... I mean, that would be awesome for us. We could yeah. do that, but it's finding 30 barrels to sell out of, yeah. of, of every beer you, random beer you put out is, right. is very difficult. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to do with the three barrel system that we got. It's, you know, mm-hmm. we're just going to come with some random crazy beers and we're trying to do like two to four new beers every month. Some of them will package, some of them will just be draft only. Um, some things that we'll bring back, like, you know, like Little Man's Complex is a beer that we did first year and then never did again. We might bring that back, just tweak it up a little bit, just because, you know, it is what it is. So, so Tommy, what's your favorite brewery outside um, of Noble Ray? I think my favorite brewery's got to be Brewdog. Um, even over all the controversy or, or whatever, I think what they've done... The uh, Airlines of Brewery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, uh, I mean, going from them... That's primarily the the beer I drank when I lived in the UK because mm-hmm. uh, they're always putting out something crazy over there. And just the, I love the industry of, of brewing besides just brewing and and watching what they've done and and you know it's going from them and then coming over and working for Deep Ellum was like great because it was almost going into a, a little brew dog. Uh, just the mindset mm-hmm. and the the promotion of your beers and the the fun you know. They, I'm sure it sucks to work there with how much beer they're they're pushing out. But from yeah. the outside looking in, it seems like such a fun brewery, such a fun place. Always doing exciting things, like and here. yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> we're in the we're in the starting stages of being like that, but just of how dramatically they grew and and made the craft beer scene in the UK is built around BrewDog. Yeah. They started everything over there, and and watching that, and then between them and McKellar, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, McKellar was all right when I was over there. I yeah. mean, I loved him, but a lot, a lot of Brits don't give a shit really? about any craft beer. Really, I they the, still don't. The Danes and Swedes love them. I mean, yeah. those McKellar bars. And yeah, but I, it's, uh, I think I've loved everything just about McKellar's done. Yeah, yeah, they're incredible. But 
Brewdog, just the, yeah. the business and yeah. the, the guys who run it and the way they put their brand out there is, is something I like to see. It's something that we're yeah. trying to do. It's something Deep Elm's definitely done. So maybe someday you'll have a Noble Ray Hotel? Uh, in Cleveland. I would hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be uh, insane. You can't give away all the future yeah. plans. Yeah. You want my wish list? Is this Santa Claus time? So, Kendra, did you uh, figure out? I think I, I, think I came up with an answer. I, no, I've actually never been to Three Floyds. I'd love to go, but. Um, New Glarus, I think, uh, does some quality beers. I, I love drinking all their beers. Um, but I think to stay local, I think my favorite brewery to visit and spend time at is probably Jester King because it's so beautiful there. Mm. I love their artwork. I love their vibe. And uh, you're such an awesome hipster. I, I'm, I'm trying not to be, but I just I think uh, their whole farmhouse vibe that they've got going on is uh, is kind of a a dream brewery for us so yeah i do wish they'd have better representation here at the festivals they seem to like yeah they they, you, they should always show up with just boxes of bottles and someone who doesn't know anything about the beer yeah. and like you can ask the questions those reps don't know anything they yeah. did more this year at big texas than they've done in a while they, they right. did but it just seems like every other festival it's because we don't get their best stuff here right and we get i mean every once in a while we'll get something you know random and good but most yeah. of the time it's like the stuff we've seen mad meg uh the the Witcher's Bry or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like the same three or four beers. And so I'm not that excited about Just King here. I've never been to the, to the campus, but I, I just because such poor representation here in Dallas, which I find just weird because yeah. we're so close. Yeah, uh, I think they have that, like, we don't care, laid back yeah. attitude, which is not me. I like to be in your face. I like to be like. But then hey, they're expanding into Europe, conversely, yeah, yeah. and they're I mean, ambitious in a lot of the markets. When we went to uh, the Belgium, pretty much everyone's at. They have the best hours. Mm-hmm. The be- every bar we went to had the best hours in the world on. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just, y'all got Jester King. Blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. do you not realize what you have here? But, yeah. yeah. I mean, they brew really good beer. Yeah. They, they do something different than anyone else here mm-hmm. does. I just almost wish they would be, like, louder yeah. about it. Yeah. And, and that's just from a, a personal. I like I like breweries to be loud. I like beer yeah. to be loud. Well, it's definitely true of Brewdog. They're yeah, yeah, loud yeah. and in your face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's me. That, yeah, it's completely. <laughs> so that's the only the thing I have against Jester King. Yeah, I like about sixty percent of the beers they put out. Mm. But and when they hit it, they like they nail it. It's right. great. It's fantastic. Yeah, really likes ten percent of everybody's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're so wild ass though. You never know what they're gonna do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, did you guys bring back any Cantillon to consume here at home? Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, you no, didn't? No, no. We didn't buy the, the suitcase that they sell there. <laughs> Tommy and I lugged, like, an entire, like, 12-case suitcase wow. through, what was it, like, two miles from, like, our, from Cantillon to our hotel. Oh, wow. And then on a train to Amsterdam. And then through an airport. And yeah, so we did that. It was. I got lost, and then oh. his, yeah, his got I was lost. freaking out at my house. <laughs> I had like twenty bottles that I'd fixed in this case, and uh, got home. And it was gone. And next day, look at this. Showed up. They're like, "We're on the way to your house. We got your." And I, Ron, they got there. I just ran out, opened it, <laughs> make sure everything was all right. And, that is that is the scariest thing about like traveling, especially on airplanes with beers. Like, oh my god, if it breaks in flight, like right. Not only the fact it's going to ruin everything, it's like I took the time to wrap this thing, 
and make sure it was going to be safe. Funny thing, that I, the biggest issues that I've ever had with traveling with beer is like cans because the pressure, like yeah. it just gives it something to go. Glass bottles, it's like they generally hold up. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, as long as it, like that guy throwing my bag on the plane didn't like launch it, I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's Tommy's going to get back. Thanks, Tommy. So. Uh, but yeah, no, it's one of those things where you're like, please don't launch it, please don't launch it. And you're like, you're like looking out the window, like, is that my bag? Did he just throw that? Damn it. So. Uh, all right, well, last question. Sure. So, IPA stout or something else, as far as favorite style goes? Something else. Something else. What's that something else? Something else. I mean, right now, it's just kind of whatever Tommy, like, out of his brain. Because seriously, he's on a rush. Like, that dude is just like, he. He's coming up with like weird styles, like he's like, like or traditional styles, just with like a like a like a strange twist to it. Right. And I'm just like, yes. Like every time I'm like, he's like, hey, can we do this? I'm like, don't even ask me anymore, man. Just do whatever you want to do, <laughs> as long as it doesn't cost like a million dollars. I'm in. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So something else. I'd say something else, and my something else would be I usually lean more towards the Belgian styles and uh, the sours. Hmm. I'm, I'm really into those right now. Although this time last year I was really into IPAs, so my palate's really progressing yeah. here. So <laughs> this, ask me next year, yeah. next year what I'm going to be all about. So um, yeah, that's my quick answer. So so um, other immediate future plans? Uh, I mean, other than Europe, the grand European plans. Anything you want to talk about or uh, we're, announce? We're trying. We're trying since we got the hot liquor tank issue we're trying to get caught up and uh distributed into houston with plans to go into austin and san antonio by the end of the year san antonio needs it uh <laughs> trust me we know we got friends there we actually we have there's one bar in san antonio that actually carries us um and they'll drive up here to get it yeah so that's that's kind of one of the cool things so yeah we're working on those yeah so we talked to uh, ranger creek and we talked about the right. dearth of craft beer there that uh, I would love to get some of their their barrels and stuff too. Yeah. So seems, seems really strange for a metro area that large. How no, small it really it's does. been. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of those things. You're like, I know there's a couple breweries coming online. Uh, actually, like one of our grain suppliers is from San Antonio, and they've really been trying to push like more local guys and be like, hey, you should open a brewery. Uh, one of the jokes is that if we open up like a second location, we're just gonna like open up another location, just put it in San Antonio, just because there's yeah. not there's not a whole lot of breweries there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Freetail. I'm drawing a blank, but I know there's like two or there's three other Ranger ones. Ranger Creek Freetail. Yeah. Well, is Ranger Creek really in San Antonio? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, in San Antonio? they're on. Oh, I thought they're... there was like on like a small town outside, but no, no, they're no. they're in San Antonio proper. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there's Freetail. Well, sorry, Ranger Creek. Ranger Creek <laughs> and. So. Someone else I'm drawing a blank. But, yeah, there's, yeah. like, a total of three or four. Well, because there's one that does, they uh, they do, like, the official beer for, like, the San Antonio Spurs or something like that. Because that's the only thing in San Antonio. Right. Sorry, I had to look at the camera and say yeah. that. <laughs> it's kind of like how the Houston Rockets well, are the only thing in Houston. I know Freetail. anything. We went to see went to see Will and Nelson at and, uh, whatever stadium we were at, which is where the Spurs play. And Freetail had a big representation there. So no, that's cool. Yeah. On that, so I do respect that then. If like, yeah. San Antonio is willing to do that, like wherever the Spurs play, it's like, hey, we're going to invest in like San Antonio stuff. Yeah. I wish that the uh, Mavericks would do the <laughs> same thing. Right. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Tommy, you're back suddenly. So I'll ask you the question, uh, and then we'll let you guys go. Um, I, favorite style, IPA, stout, something else? Uh, style that I like the most. Actually, the beer... Style like the most is probably saison. Um, so something else. Something, something else. else. <laughs> yeah, I do like IPAs. Done well. Um, 
the the thing I have against IPAs is it, it seems like the style that's popular changes so often yeah. that you constantly, for me as a brewer, it makes it annoying. There's a because you always want to be on market, you always want to be on trend, mm-hmm. so you're constantly. I think a craft brewery should, if I want to change Vertigo, I should be able to change it. It's not always going to taste the way it does right now. I want to stay on trend. If you want to be on trend, you should have a hazy Northeast IPA right that, now. We're coming out with one. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. What's that called coming? Uh, so we have a tactical combat firefighter. Yeah. Um, which it can be from when I was a, I worked for the Department of Defense when I got out of the military as a firefighter uh, for different companies, contract companies. <laughs> That uh, <laughs> in Afghanistan, Iraq, in other countries, mm-hmm. and um, so the big joke was when someone would come from the uh, civilian side, they would always call themselves a tactical combat firefighter, and we call them Rambo, or we had different like uh, <laughs> nicknames for them. So we're coming out with an IPA called Tactical Combat Firefighter, which one version of it will be a hazy northeast style we're using saccharomyces it's going to be tropical it's going to be on trend and then we can always uh that's one beer that will be flexible being able to change Mm -hmm. throughout the courses of uh every year when ipas have to be different or they don't sell yeah so (laughs) yeah or they're not relevant anymore if you don't if you don't change it up so um yeah i do like a good ipa but um probably favorite beer style would be a saison all right. Well, Kendra, Chris, Tommy, thanks for your time. Yeah, Spent a lot yeah, of time yeah. with us today. Yeah, this is our longest interview to date, but it was <laughs> good. It was a great conversation. Yeah, you yeah, set a new record. <laughs> Whoa. Good thing the mic's up here. <laughs> thanks for your time. Congratulations on all the success. And uh, keep making awesome artwork and get some nachos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's the food guy, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put, put the orders in it. <laughs> thanks, guys. So, Dustin, I know you uh, enjoy exposing your man nipples in any case, but that's just not, that doesn't make for decent society. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think it actually improves society. It depends on the scene. If you're at, right. if you're at a, in that club, you want to expose all 43 of your nipple piercings, okay, fine. That's what it's I do. what you do with your little nipple chains. Yeah, I shake them around and they clank together yeah. and I get a lot of activity at the club. And your wife leads you by the nipple chains through the club. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it, that's that's, how you that's guys, a whole other thing. That's how you guys work. It's fine. That's true. It, it's your thing. But that does not make for polite society. Yeah. So, you need a shirt. I do. And do you know where you could find a shirt? Uh, no, I don't. You could go Why to don't Bru- you tell me, Mark? You can go to brewbloods.net and click on the shirt's link. And you'll find a I wide... I had no idea that was there. You'll find a wide array of brewbloods Brew shirts. I didn't know that was there. You didn't know that, but now you know. <laughs> Knowing is half the battle. But uh, we have a wide array of Brewbloods logo shirt. And, and the original, the one, the only, the real original Come and Drink It t-shirt. Yeah. A personal favorite of mine these days. It is. That's it's the like, one I tend to wear to events. Since I, I gave that to you. Uh, based That's on true. the Battle of Gonzales flag. And we are the original Come and Drink It t-shirt, except no substitutes. Absolutely. And you can find all of our logo shirts there. So if you, have, uh, if you enjoy our show... And there's no markup in these shirts at all. It's just uh, it's just what it costs to make the shirt. If you enjoy logoed shirts. If you enjoy logo shirts and you enjoy our t-shirts. show. T-shirts. Not tuck-in shirts. I mean, you could tuck it in, I guess, but it'd look weird. If you enjoy tucking it in with a fanny pack and some yeah. high-waisted pants, <laughs> sure, right. go for it. I don't care. I just care you're wearing a shirt. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> so just go to Brew Bloods. I'd prefer you not cut it up and turn it into rags. I'd prefer yeah. you wear it. I mean, outside yeah. of that. I mean, once it's worn out, you can turn it into rags. Yeah, sure. Or maybe turn it into a nice throw pillow for your that, couch. That's even better. Yeah, maybe we should invest in the throw pillow that's game. 
Uh, we would love your face pressed against our logo every evening. <laughs> or your butt if you need a... Well, wh- whatever you sleep. However it, you sleep. If you need a fart pillow for your uh, office chair. That's you, right. And who doesn't? Yeah, put our shirts under your butt. <laughs> that fart is true. Our, fart under shirts all day. Hey, as long as someone else sees it too. <laughs> That's right. Pass the message. Just go to brewbloods.net and click on the shirts link. Slash fart right pillow. There. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Slash fart pillow. Coming soon. So thanks to the crew over at Noble Ray Brewing Company for having us again uh, for a second interview. And uh, it was a the great Noble time. The Noble Ray-ins. The Noble Racers. That's weird. The Noble Racers. Yeah, there you go. That's the, better. The Racers. Maybe they should uh, sponsor a car at Texas Motor Speedway, and they could be the officially have the Noble Racer team. That's true. But, uh, you know, that's the next step in their <laughs> grand plans for taking over the world. Hey, Bear Republic's going to pull back. They could take the Speed Racer stuff from them. That's true. They keep claiming they're going to pull back, but we've seen no evidence Well, of that's that. true. They're still there. Especially now with the super bloom in California from all the rain they've gotten. Right, They're not going to pull back. Yeah, that's true. They're not pulling back. Lies. They are not pulling back. They are fake news. Right. So thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for your support. And thanks to Noble Ray. Thanks to Johnny for the quotes that he saw at a random sign in a bar somewhere in Minnesota, in northwest (laughs) Minnesota. If you enjoy this show, we do have another podcast called The Break Room that we occasionally do. Sporadic moments throughout the year. Yeah. And it's considerably more NSFW, but you may enjoy it. So you can find that at Breakroom. It's stupider in general. It's way more stupid. Uh, You can find all the links to that at breakroom.tv. Leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, Check us out on all the social networks. Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, which I occasionally use. Every, Not very often. Every active, normal yes. social media out there. And I hear there's a new one called Mastodon that we need to look at. So <laughs> That may go the way of Peach. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> He'll need so many social networks. Yes. If you have any feedback on the show, you can email us at brewbloodshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to do a beer trade, email us. We'll certainly accommodate a beer Absolutely. trade. Absolutely. We would love to try new stuff. And you can always call us at 469-573-BEER. That's 469-573-2337. So, for Dustin, I'm Mark. For Mark, I'm Dustin. Probst. For Brew Bloods, I'm Noble Ray. Oh, wait. (laughs) And still probes. And still probes. (laughs) 